WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie. And welcome to the podcast where we explore the themes of movies and books. And this episode comes to you straight from Tom Riddle's diary. Because today we're discussing the significance of character names in the Harry Potter series and in the Lord of the Rings. Valerie, I have the best trivia for you. Okay. So it's some crossover Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter trivia, which is very fitting for today's episode. It's also name related. So there you go. So it fits in, the bill. In our copious research, I found out that, did you know, I'll, I'll say it that way, did you know that Dumbledore is in the Lord of the Rings? No. Well, technically there's multiple Dumbledores. Oh, because, because in Old English, his name means Bumblebee? I don't know about Old English, but like an archaic form of, yeah, it means Bumblebee in an old yes. form. And in one of the poems in the collection of poems called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, there's like this adventurer character that's going on this quest and he fights off some Dumbledores. So <laughs> Dumbledores officially exist in Middle Earth. You know what? Tom Bombadil is the kind of character who would write poetry about giant bumblebees. Yeah. Well, and he's not the character in in that poem in right. particular. He's the writer of the poem? Uh, I think it's just all supposed to be a collection of various poems written by hobbits, oh, okay. I believe. I'm not sure. Is I think... Bombadil a hobbit? No. So they're writing about him. He's not writing it himself. Okay. Hobbits are writing about Bombadil? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think a few episodes ago I said The Adventures of Tom Bombadil came out before Lord of the Rings, which I was not quite accurate. There was an original poem called The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, like the title poem that was later put into a collection after Lord of the Rings. So I was kind of half right, half wrong there. Little correction. But anyways, yeah. Dumbledores. Giant Dumbledores in in Middle Earth. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. Are you ready? Yeah, so much information. We better get Our started. Our heads are going to explode. We're skipping right <laughs> over the um, all-important question today. There's no time. Because we kind of, we didn't even plan it. It just sort of happened that, well, we wanted to talk about, let me let me back up a little bit. As stated in our last episode, we decided to split up the symbolism of names and put Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings in its own episode because they're both these fantasies and, well, Star Wars is space fantasy, but more grounded fantasy and also books versus the movies and TV shows of Star Wars. And it's a good thing that we split them up because we have a lot of information. We really and could have done an episode on Lord of the Rings names and then yeah. another, a third episode on Harry Potter names. Right, because there's a lot. And it just sort of happened naturally I was, as I as I was saying that you kind of went, you kind of took the bull by the horns of the Harry Potter research and I gravitated toward Lord of the Rings and we didn't plan that. It just kind of happened. All of a sudden I was like, Casey, I hope you have a lot of Lord of the Rings research because all I have is Harry Potter. And I was hoping that you had a lot of Harry Potter. So made to be, we're so (laughs) cute. We're so in sync. But this episode might be a little bit different in just the sense that you're going to talk for a bunch then I'm going to talk for a bunch then you're like more than usual. Whereas the other person might have the occasional, hmm, that's interesting. But, <laughs> but uh, yes, let's get, let's just jump right in. Um, Absolutely. We're going to try to follow a little bit of the structure of our symbolism of Star Wars names and start with the creation of names and the symbolism of names within the universe. So take it away with some rolling Harry Potter knowledge, Val. Oh, I'm first, huh? Okay. Oh, where to start? I really don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> you start <laughs> you want me to start about yeah. lord of the rings or start oh, about I, harry potter start, you want me you, to like jump you into harry potter like lead you in <laughs> play you in with some piano music no i want you <laughs> to start off with 
Star Wars, or not Star Wars, with Lord of the Rings so I can get a feeling. Excuse me, I have an outline and you are <laughs> disrupting the outline. It's a long outline. You never showed me your outline. How am I supposed to? I don't show it. You, It's shared with you. <laughs> it's in the podcast Google folder, which, which you I have access to. Once in a blue moon. What's supposed to happen is I we create this outline together <laughs> instead of I create this big long outline and you don't even contribute to it. And you create your own outline on the side, <laughs> some rebel outline. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> then we just mash them together. That's how it works. But then I have to scroll down to Lord of the Rings because I had Harry Potter first here. Yeah, yeah. You'll survive. All right. I guess I'll start. This messes me up. but <laughs> I can start. Okay, you start. Okay. I just really don't know where to start. There's so much information. What's a good starting I'll point? I'll lead you in. Kay. Okay. So in Star Wars, we talked about how a lot of the names are on the nose or just yes. sound good. Whereas today, I think we're going to be talking a lot about how names have some slightly di- deeper meaning to them. For example, in Harry Potter, there's a lot of uh, Latin roots. Is that a good place to start to let you jump in? Or no, did I'm, I mess I'm you gonna, up your no, outline? I'm going to start. <laughs> did I mess you up? No, but while you were talking, I figured out where I was going to start. Oh. Because we, you mentioned that uh, Star Wars has a lot of on the nose names and harry potter has a few as well like i've always liked the name weasley because it sounds like a weasel which in general is not a very flattering uh name you know if you call somebody a weasel but jk rowling stated in an interview that she has always been very fond of weasels ever since she was a little kid so i like that it's this idea that it wouldn't be a popular name in general with mass public just like the weasley family it's not Mm. always popular but they are very lovable to those who actually know them. Along sense. those same lines, uh, Rowling's put in a lot of other references to people that she knew um, in her own personal life. For example, she put her two grandfathers in the Prisoner of Azkaban. The driver of the night bust is Ernest Prang, and Ernie was her one of her grandparents, one of her grandfathers. And then Stanley Shunpike is named after her other grandpa, whose name was Stanley as well. So Ernie and Stanley are named after her grandparents, which her grandfathers, which is fun. She also named the Irish Quidditch team that we meet at the uh, world, the world Quidditch, just the Quidditch Cup. Quidditch World Cup. Is there a world in there? Or is it I just the so. Quidditch Cup? I'm pretty sure it's Quidditch World Cup because okay. they're international teams. Right. Yeah. So according to Rolling, the players of the team are named after people she knows, the Irish team. So Moran, Troy, and Quigley are all good friends. Uh, Troy is one of her, she says that Troy is one of my oldest friends and she also happens to be a passionate supporter of the West Ham Football Club. It is in her honor that the only soccer team ever mentioned in the books is West Ham. Hmm. Which is, is it Dean or Seamus? Who's the muggle-born? I can't remember. Dean. Dean, yeah. yeah. So Dean has the West Ham poster up on the wall Yeah. in their how, in their room. I, who is, I think it's Ron's looking at it and is like... You know, kind of thinking like, what a lame poster, they don't even move kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that reference to the West Ham soccer team. I also thought this was really funny that uh, Minerva McGonagall, so Minerva is the Roman goddess of wisdom, which is just great, right? She's super wise, and she's a wonderful uh, professor at Hogwarts. But this fact I love, Rowling said that William McGonagall is celebrated as the worst poet in British history. And she said that she that there was something irresist- irresistible to me about his name 
name and the idea that such a brilliant woman might be a distant relative of the buffoonish McGonagall. So that she kind of has this connection to the worst poet in British history. And now I feel like I need to look up some of his poetry. Right. What does William McGonagall write? Ready for a story that will break your heart a little bit? No, but go ahead. So the only full name given in a Harry Potter book to an actual person is a young girl named Natalie McDonald, and she was a big Harry Potter fan, but she was battling leukemia, and her mom's friend sent a letter to Rowling, and she and Rowling responded with some letters and even gave her some information in like a in the, information from the yet-to-be-published fourth book. But by the time the letters got there, Natalie had passed away. So Rowling and her and Natalie's mom, whose name is Valerie, that's why I remember that. Oh, nice. Yeah, they had started up a correspondence, and, and they even eventually met up in person. And uh, Rowling commemorated Natalie MacDonald in the Goblet of Fire as a first-year student at Hogwarts, and she gets sorted into Gryffindor House. That's awesome. So... She gets a special place in the books. Speaking of another Gryffindor great, Hermione's name comes from Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale, but Rowling said that she doesn't have much in common with the character from Shakespeare's play. Uh, Instead, it's meant to be a reflection on Hermione's parents, with both of them being dentists. They consider themselves kind of, you know, smart, and look at us, we named our daughter after a Shakespeare play kind of a thing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Rowling also stated that she didn't want to use a common name because she didn't want a lot of fairly hardworking little girls to be teased if ever the book was published. So she didn't want a bunch of little, you know, I don't know, Amy's running around all getting teased, whereas there aren't very many Hermione's. But now there probably are, and they probably do get teased. They so probably do. I don't know so. if that <laughs> plan really works. Also, Hermione's middle name was supposed to be Jane, but Rowling didn't want her to share a middle name with Umbridge, so it was changed to Jean. And Jean is also Rowling's daughter's middle name, and it means God is gracious, which is fun. Oh, look, another Gryffindor here. So Hagrid is another, uh, is an old English word that means, like J.K. Rowling said that if you were Hagr- Hagrid, like a dialect word that means you had a bad night, as in you like drank too much. And since Hagrid is a big drinker, he has a lot of bad nights. And so she named him Hagrid, which is great. I really liked this reference. So in King Arthur's Legends, um, one of King Arthur's main rivals was a Roman politician named Lucius Tiberius, which is fun because there's a rivalry between Lucius Malfoy and Arthur Weasley. Oh, yeah. Arthur and Lucius being enemies throughout many books in time, so that's fun. J.K. Rowling said that she found Gilderoy while looking through a dictionary of phrase and fable books, and uh, it was meaning like a highwayman and a very good-looking rogue. And Lockhart, she found the the surname. Um, She said, I was looking for quite a glamorous, dashing sort of surname, and Lockhart caught my eye on this war memorial that was, and that was it. Um, So Gilderoy Lockhart, it just sounded perfect, Rowling said. Impressive and yet in the middle, quite hollow, of course. And that, I think, Casey, completes my information on the the behind-the-scenes namings of Harry Potter characters. Where where were these quotes pulled from? Was it from a website or...? multiple websites we should link those in our show notes yeah we should we should do better about that yes also we could share them on our discord page that's true i was thinking about we had mentioned in this our star wars names episode last time about how a lot of the names are silly 
and um, and we mentioned like being on the nose and I there's there's quite a few Harry Potter names that are pretty silly too like Professor Sprout happens to be the one that's the herbology teacher you know yes or, and we'll talk about her first name too oh, okay and um, and Peeves you know to have a a pet He's peeve, a pet peeve. Maybe, yeah. people are annoyed by him um, that's pretty. Yeah, Rowling said obvious. that he has been annoying people since, or he's been annoying caretaker, caretakers since the very first one. <laughs> wow. And that very first caretaker had a great name that I didn't write down. It was like, I don't know, it was two H's, like oh. alliteration H and H. That's all I can remember. Well, and speaking of alliteration, I was going to mention, I always thought it was kind of silly and funny that the four founders of Hogwarts all happened to have alliterative names. You know, right. you got Rowena Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. Helga Hufflepuff, Godric Gryffindor. And Salazar Slytherin, which again, also a little bit on the nose. Slytherin sounds like a snake. Snake that slithers. But um, I saw that was kind of funny. And I was wondering if maybe one of them had a different name and just changed it to be alliterative, just so they're not the odd person out. <laughs> they just like fit that in there. Yeah. So they can get. <laughs> um, okay, go on, Valerie. You've got more. You've got more Harry Potter knowledge to lay on us. I do. Let's start with. The werewolf, Remus Lupin, whose surname is the French word for wolf, so Lupin means wolf, and his first name, Remus, is a nod to the story of Romulus and Remus, uh, who were the founders of Rome, and they were supposedly raised by wolves, so you've got like a, a double meaning there. So his name Both is Wolf his names, Wolf. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Which, can we talk about how it seems a lot of parents in Harry Potter seem to set their children up for some sort of fulfilled prophecy. Yes. Like you name your child Wolf Wolf. Are, are you really surprised when he gets bitten by a werewolf later in life? I know. And speaking of werewolves, we've got Fenrir Greyback. Fenrir is named after the son of Loki, who was a terrible wolf in Norse mythology. So their parents also set him up to become a werewolf someday. I know. So basically, they're all just failing each other all the time. Speaking of family names, we've got the Black family, who was apparently very into astrology-based names. Astrology? Yep. That was like their thing. Or do you mean astronomy? Astronomy. <laughs> Bit of bull. I'm just I don't know. <laughs> I always do that. But yeah. Astronomy-based names. Um, Good old Pisces Black. He's my favorite. <laughs> yes. I guess, you know, it's they're all connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Sirius Black. Sirius is the brightest star in the night sky, and it's also known as the dog star, as it exists in the constellation Canis Major, the great dog. Which makes sense, because he can turn into a dog. Wait, what? He can? Spoiler alert. (laughs) You also have Bellatrix in the family, and Bellatrix is a star in the constellation Orion. Which part of Orion? This I do not know. The belt. The head, yeah, the mm-hmm. sword, true, the kilt. Now you're just making things up. The feet, <laughs> his his sandaled feet. That's, That's she fixed. is the pinky toe on the sandaled foot of Orion. Got oh, it? I don't know that star, but okay. I believe you. It's it's Bellatrix. That's the name of it. Now you know. There's also uh, so Regulus, Sirius's brother, is the brightest star in the constellation Leo. Uh, there are also constellations called Draco and. Scorpius, which is the name that Draco gives his son, which, also. Can we talk about Malfoy's for a second? Yes. Because the name Malfoy. But I will when oh. I get to my French information. Oh, this is you're not into the French part yet. Oh no. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> um, you. You have your process here, and this is 
maybe this is our problem of both of us doing separate doing research, a little bit more yeah. separate research than we usually do. Mm-hmm. We, we always kind of do that, but we, we tend like to follow an here. outline. And, you know, I'm not going to throw blame here, but I had the first outline and then you made your <laughs> own your, your own renegade outline. But it's OK. But if one outline improves upon another, then I'm you know. just going to be quiet now and let you take your because you have a process and I'm 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 almost to his last name. I just wanted it. to mention one thing. Okay, that Draco um, is interesting because there was a leader in ancient Athens named Draco, and he was such a harsh ruler and gave out such harsh punishments that there is his name Draco is where the word. Um, draconian comes from oh. like draconian law yeah okay yeah. that that makes sense so being harsh from the very beginning that's you know a draco trait of all times all so the dracos is, of all his times his name is basically bully bully malfoy yes but also draco can mean dragon right and his last name malfoy you want to take that away this will segue into my french notes no here. but see i you actually know french and now i just feel <laughs> insignificant so malfoy mal means bad mm-hmm. right and foi means like faith. And so, bad, yeah, so bad in, faith. in French, they spell it F-O-I instead of F-O-Y. Yeah. And it, it's pronounced foi. Um, but yeah, it means faith. Moving on to some other French names. We have Voldemort, which means flight of death. Interesting that they keep saying flight of death. When I read it as a teenager and I was taking French, I remember learning the word voleur, which means to steal, which has the same root as like to fly is just vol. And voleur is to steal. Anyways, they have the same root. So I think it's interesting to think of it either way, like yeah. flight of death or thief of death. Well, because he does both. He's mm-hmm. He spent like his whole defining motivation is that he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to be a common human. He wants to both exactly. cheat death, you know, to right. steal it. Steal basically. away from it. And but he's always on the run from run it. Run from it. Yeah. yeah. Then you have fleur de la cour, which means flower of the court. Um, beau baton is the French word for beautiful wands. Which is fun. You have to say it like they do in the movie. Bow bat. <laughs> okay, they don't say it that much like a cowboy, but. But if it's a French school, shouldn't it be pronounced no, the French should. way? No, it should. I just said that to, to irk you. It's just it, like how everybody says Voldemort, and right. I usually do too. But in French, it would be Voldemort. Right, which was her intention, but before she could let everyone know, hey, it, the T is silent. She should have put too pronunciation late. guides in. The books in were too popular. So. Right behind his name. Yeah. <laughs> because now it just sounds weird in your mouth. Yeah, you can't say Voldemort. You People sound be like, uh. you sound pretentious. Yes, like, Voldemort, <laughs> which is probably like how he says it. Like you think so? I want that fan fiction. You think he's a francophile? Well, I want that fan fiction of the side stories where Voldemort just keeps getting mad because everyone keeps mispronouncing his name. Yes. He's just going around being like, guys, guys, it's Voldemort, and he keeps like trying to decide if he should just go back to Tom Riddle just to to stop. <laughs> stop them ruining his yeah. favorite picked out name. And then there's names like this one that I love about Harry Potter where it's a name that you just accept as a name as a young reader and I didn't really like think about it in different terms. Um, like Gryffindor, you think, oh, Griffins. You never really like break it down. So like Gryffindor, you've got Griffins, like the mythical creature. And then Dor means uh, like golden. So it's like a golden. Oh, like of gold. Yeah, like of the gold. apostrophe O-R. O-R. Oh, yeah. cool. So it's like a golden griffin, Gryffindor. It's one of those things I never broke down before. I think that the, the thesis of this episode and the last is that, but especially this episode, is that all names have meaning. That yes. no names are 
pointless or or just tossed throw in away. There. Yeah. No, I've left out so many names that I loved, like doing all this research. Every single name you can think of had some kind of reference or meaning or story or... Right. Yeah. And I think maybe some of the on-the-nose sounding ones are just to mask the fact that all the names have meaning. Some are just more subtle than others. Although Rowling did say that Neville Longbottom was just kind of a joke name. Like it was pretty on the nose. But she did say that she always associated with Neville, I guess. Um, Like she pictured herself kind of like him. Like, never feeling like she was quite good enough kind of a thing. Yeah. I think it's interesting that often in fiction, in all kinds of fiction, we have heroes that have mundane, quotidian kind of names. Like, Harry Potter is kind of an ordinary sounding name. And, you know, Neville Longbottom. And um, there's other characters like uh, Arthur Dent in Hitchhiker's Guide. These characters that have regular names and it helps to, helps them. I mean, especially in stories where they're a little bit of the fish out of water or they're thrust into this new adventurous world and it kind of highlights the fact that all these other names are a little bit strange but also have as we're talking about have meaning to them yeah plus i think it helps you as a or us as normal human people reading the story kind of put ourselves in their place like oh look they're a regular person like i am well and also back to neville himself his name is a joke and he is a joke throughout much of the series I, i think it helps you know, that name helps highlight the fact that by the end, he's not a joke. He hasn't, you know, quote unquote, lived up to his name. He has in the sense that he, you know, his parents would be proud of him in that kind of a way, but he's not a joke anymore by the end, which I love. And I think that having a silly sounding name only enhances that journey and that arc of his character. I agree. I think we might see the most character growth out of Neville out of any of the characters in Harry Potter. Yeah, kind of night and day from the first to the last book, yes, for sure. absolutely. Some other fun character names. We've got a bunch that are very Latin-heavy. Um, for example, we've got Albus, which means white. And uh, we mentioned that Dumbledore is an old English word that means bumblebee. Uh, Rowling said that, she said that because Albus Dumbledore is very fond of music, I always imagine him sort of humming to himself a lot. So she kind of pictured him humming like a little, like a bumblebee. Also from the Latin. Wait, can we talk about all of his middle names too? Yes. Do we know about them? Like what does Wolfric mean or? There's, yeah. Because Percival. Percival is a reference to a Arthurian knight. He was one of the most loyal and brave. And Wolfric was a reference to another old medieval character. I can't remember their story. I think Brian's just thrown in there to be silly. Yeah, to be like a but normal, I love it. normal name. <laughs> but it's interesting, the Percival thing, because in Fantastic Beasts, um, you have Percival Graves, who is who has been taken over by Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. And we all know Grindelwald and Dumbledore have this connection, which is kind of an interesting thing. Even though Percival Graves is a real person, right? It's just interesting that they that name Percival we see crop up at least twice there. So yes, I did sadly cut or choose not to put in a bunch of Fantastic Beasts research just because time, man, time. <laughs> So I was just thinking about Christopher Nolan and time. And time. Because I think we said that phrase multiple times in that episode. Time, man. <laughs> at least you <laughs> that did. That sounds familiar. It's probably because I didn't have as much to say about it as you did. I was just throwing it in there. Time, man. <laughs> time, man. Sound like a beatnik. <laughs> that was my only goal in life. Let's see. So we have Severus, which means severe in Latin. Clearly, he's a very severe teacher all the time. Plus, I like that Snape just kind of sounds like snap like he's always like snapping at the kids it's very snappish 
also sounds like snake, which yes. connects to the Slytherin, Slytherin thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Then we have lots of mythical names, which is fun. I mentioned that Minerva is the goddess of wisdom. We have uh, Professor Sybil Trelawney, and Sybils were mythical creatures who served as oracles in the Temple of Apollo and had the gift of foresight. So you get that idea that she can foresee the future and kind of not at her own doing too. Like oracles were are are kind of seen as like a a way for the gods to talk to people. So it isn't always their choice when they're seeing the future, which is very fitting for Sybil because it kind of just happens when it happens. She doesn't, when she's trying to foresee the future is usually when she's wrong. (laughs) Um, Argus, like Argus Filch is a, so Argus is a creature in Greek mythology who has hundreds of eyes. Very fitting for a caretaker trying to watch hundreds of Hogwarts students. Yeah, I like that. Then this might be my one. Um, let's see. Also in mythology, we've got Alast- Alastor, which so Alastor Moody. Alastor is the is the Greek god of revenge, which is fitting for him because he's always trying to like on, he's always on his guard, trying to protect from things. Plus, oh. Moody is just a great name because he's always moody, like he's pretty surly, moody. And so between being you know vengeful and moody. Pretty descriptive for him. Well, and you also have Barty Crouch Jr., who himself is vengeful, Ooh, which is really interesting, and playing kills Alistair. his dad, his own father. Yeah, so. talk about really vengeful. Yeah. On a lighter note, uh, Pomona Sprout. So Pomona was the Roman goddess of fruit trees, and Sprout is just great because she grows things. She helps them sprout. Then we have uh, some slightly different name meanings, like in Sanskrit, Nagini means a being taking the form of a great snake. Well, there you go. So that one's right on the nose, isn't yeah. it? So I guess the idea that Nagini is actually a person that comes about in the Fantastic Beasts has always been in there in the name. Oh, tricky. So she's not, you know. Tricky Miss Joe. So tricky. <laughs> Dolores in Spanish means sorrow. And umbrage is a play on the word umbrage. They just spell it with an I instead of an A. And it means to take offense. And not only does she take offense at everything, but she also inflicts a lot of sorrow on those poor Hogwarts students. So that's a very fitting name. I really love this reference to... So Mrs. Norris, Filch's cat, is named for a character in Jane Austen's Mansfield Park. And in Mansfield Park, she Mrs. Norris is a, an old aunt who's very nosy and managing, like she's in everybody's business. So that's very fitting for Miss, Mrs. Norris. But does she have red eyes? I... Like in the movie. You know. Or one of the movies. In one of the many interpretive movies thereof. No. No, I meant one of the movies of Harry Potter, but yeah. Mm, she only has red eyes in the first movie. The cat? Yeah. Not the ant. The cat. The cat never, the ant never has red eyes. Just the cat in one movie. Uh huh. But the ant in no movies has red eyes. True. Okay. Yes. Got it. Now you've this is settled, important. Now you've settled that important fact. Casey, do you know what a xenophile is? Yeah, I don't know if you're asking like. Yeah, tell me, what's a xenophile? Oh, okay. There's just someone who loves <laughs> weird things. Yeah, so you've got xenophilia. Like weird names and what they mean. <laughs> exactly. I think we're both a little bit of xenophiles. Absolutely. Yeah. But Xenophilius Lovegood, he, the Lovegood family is all about loving weird things. Well, we're going to talk about Luna as well. Yeah. Because Luna means moon. Moon. And she's, she's kind such of a moon child. moony and strange. And there's mm-hmm. that, you know, the stereotype of if you're insane, you howl at the moon a little bit. And Lovegood, she just loves everybody. 
I know. Luna's the best. She's just the most accepting, gracious character. Like, I love when she's like, she's not at the end of the year banquet feast. I guess they call it a feast. End of the year feast because she has to find all of her belongings because they've all of a sudden gone missing. And like, people have been taking her things and hiding them. She just doesn't care at all. She's above the draconian environment of Hogwarts. Yes, with all her love, good, love, goodness, love goodness. nature, <laughs> nature. Yes. And last but not least, I want to mention Rita Skeeter because Skeeter syndrome is a disease that is spread through mosquito bites. There you go. <laughs> so that's just very fitting that uh, Rowling would name the gossip columnist after a blood-sucking insect. Who also can turn into a bug, a we bug. learn. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Perfect. That's a lot of Harry Potter information. A lot of symbolism. And that's not so even... much symbolism. That's just a few of them. Yep. I know. You could look up any one of them and find meanings. And we will talk more Harry Potter later. But first, Lord of the Rings, Casey. Dun, 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 the Lord dun, of the Rings. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so Thanks, I think Rohirrim. I think you're welcome. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> I thought you were gonna tell me that I was wrong and picked and didn't name the music right. No, but it is from the Rohirrim. Yeah, it's okay. the the music of, uh-huh. of Edoras and Rohan yeah. and yes. the Rohirrim. Um, before we talk about before I talk about some of the symbolism of names in Lord of the Rings, it's important to talk about language in general because it's all intertwined and. So I have this stack, reference books, etc., because that's my life. And we're going to dive into them a little bit, the whole thing. I'm going to read them word for word. No. Well, when this, word for word, well, when this episode comes out, I will have just been on That's What I'm Talking About and done a, an episode with Mary Clay. And then after this episode comes out, so this following Tuesday... Casey will be on an episode of That's What I'm Talking About. We did Mary not Clay. plan that either, despite popular belief. Oh. Um, it kind of just happened. Mm-hmm. She, I picked one, you picked one, and we got together later and we're like, hey, I'm going to be on Talking About. And we realized that we picked chapters yeah. one after another. Yep. Just happened. But, but yeah, so these reference books have been well loved recently. I use them all the time on this podcast and. Elsewhere, so. And hey. elsewhere? Thanks, ZZ Top. I was being Malcolm. Okay, but your Malcolm and your mouth of Sauron <laughs> both sound like ZZ Top. <laughs> I don't even know who ZZ Top is. Stop it. They're, they're those guys with the big beards and they sing. Yes, well, that's never what I'm quoting. Okay, so I have this... Um, the Languages of Tolkien's Middle-earth. It's basically a, a Tolkien dictionary. Proud of it. A, a Tolkien dictionary, but it's got some information about the languages as well. And uh, it talks about, on like the first page, it says, Tolkien spent much of his youth involved in learning, studying, and creating languages. His mother introduced him to Latin, French, and German. While at school, he was taught or taught himself Greek, Middle English, Old English, also called Anglo-Saxon, Old Norse, also called Old Icelandic, Gothic, Modern and Medieval Welsh, Finnish, Spanish, and Italian. Hold on, we're not done yet either. <laughs> other other languages other languages of which he had a working knowledge, so just working knowledge of these, include uh-huh. Russian, Swedish, Danish, Norwegian, Dutch, and Lombardic. So, uh, first of all, I don't know what Lombardic I is. Say, I, that's just from the region there. of Lombard. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. But it's not spelled like Lombard support. It's, <laughs> it's with an O, so... I don't know. But anyways, the point is, I don't know how Tolkien's brain can handle all that. But there are a lot of languages rattling around in his brain. 
I zoned out in the middle straight. of that list. Right. I don't even know what they all are. So yeah, it's just important to know that first of all, Tolkien had a long, long history of language and um, he knew languages. That was what he did. He was a philologist and he taught language. He, I like that word. It's a good word. Philologist. Mm-hmm. It's fun to say. And then our good friend, Tom Shippey. So Tom Shippey is a Tolkien scholar and uh, we, we actually got it's to like meet him. It's like a dream job. We got to meet him. Yes. Um, he's, he's, he's getting a little old, but he uh, he's still alive and he's the only author who's books i have signed like again uh, no <laughs> I'm so excited to meet him i was so Your excited lord of the rings reference books by tom shippey are signed well, and they're not really they're more like no they're about essay, his life. like a long mm-hmm. well they're not even biographies they're more like very long academic works but they're you know in book form um but yeah, Tom Shippey is great. He's actually going to be a consultant on the Amazon series that's coming out really? as well. So, um, and I think he probably consulted on the Peter Jackson films also. So in his book, Author of the Century, he says... He's probably like the only famous person we've ever met. And Tom by Shippey. famous, I mean famous to us and probably not very many other people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so th- this passage is just to iterate how important names are to Tolkien because... Names are of vital importance, just like they are to, to rolling, as we've just we've just talked about. So Tom Shippey says, Place names form yet another connection with antiquity in which Tolkien took strong personal interest. They were especially valuable to him for two reasons. One is that most people do not think much about names, but accept them as a given. They are accordingly unlikely to meddle with them or change them except by the slow and natural process of language change, of which they are unconscious which means that names may well contain unusually authentic testimony to history or to old tradition. But another reason for taking an interest in names is that, unlike other words, they exist in a special special relationship to what they refer to, obviously one-to-one. So that can apply to what we've just talked about, all these names in Harry Potter mean things, and they connect to the character, right? But also in Tolkien's Middle Earth, like, like the way I interpret that is we we all have names. That's a silly statement, but... We all have names and they all mean something even if we don't know or remember the meaning of them. Like, you know, there's people with the last name Cooper. Everyone with the last name Cooper isn't still a barrel maker. But at one point in time, that's what the word meant. And so we all have these names that once upon a time meant things that we don't really think about anymore. And that's kind of the approach that Tolkien was taking of of digging deeper into these names, making them extremely subtle, so subtle that you had to have been able to translate his own invented languages to know what they meant. Um, you know, like Rowling's using a lot of Latin, Tolkien's using all those languages I mentioned before, kind of combining them and moving them around to make to create his own languages that have their own rules of grammar um, and their own translations. He invented 14 languages, Valerie, 14. I just... That's a lot. I can't <laughs> even name 14 of anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? Can you name 14 languages, let alone invent? Because I can't. No. Nope. Well, I can I can say Lombardic now. Yes. So not that we know where it comes from, but we now know. If it you exists. know, let us know because yeah. we're missing some sort of important language here. Some country of Lombard that we don't know about. Yeah. I was going to read some more of these books, but just in the interest of time, I'll try to paraphrase stuff. So, in the aforementioned dictionary, like Languages of Middle Earth book, it talks about how you know it's important to remember that the oh, Valerie's yawning. <laughs> I've lost her. I've lost her to these, this talk of languages. No, um, the problem is that we record after the children are in bed. 
So I'm always tired after yeah. the children are in bed. Um, say, okay, so as I was saying, Tolkien invented 14 languages, and then he based the names of, of characters and places and things off of those languages. Um, of course, they all had like real-world linguistic roots, as I mentioned, but some were more obvious than others. For example, like the language of the Rohirrim is pretty much Old English, but then there's mm-hmm. lots of other things like Elvish and stuff in other languages. But that fits the Rohan culture to talk about because that the Ro- culture of Rohan is very like Norse and it feels very Viking-like versus the elves, which feels a little more otherworldly. So it makes sense that they would have that connection to uh, or more direct connection to a real language that we have here on Earth. But the the central like conceit and concept of Lord of the Rings is that the hobbits wrote the stories and that Tolkien was merely translating them so that the the hobbits wrote them in the language of westron he called it and he sort of saw himself as almost like an archaeologist like he found this thing um and then as a translator he had to translate it into a language that we would understand and so in doing so even some of the names aren't their actual names i know that's really confusing but for example frodo's name isn't frodo it's froda but um, good old Froda. Tolkien, the um, the translator, and I put translator in quotes, he thought Froda sounds feminine because in English and other languages that are real, we're used to the uh sound being feminine mm-hmm. and the O being more masculine. Right. And so, yeah, it's actually Froda, which is a name that's in Beowulf. Little side note. Uh-huh. Um, there's quite a few little things like that, the names of, of people and places and stuff that show up in old, old works like Beowulf. So I guess what I'm getting at is, again, all names have meaning. So it's it's kind of pointless to just go down a list of all the names in Lord of the Rings. That would take us forever, and just like it would in Harry Potter. So what we're getting at, too, is that the names all say something about the character in, in all of these things that we're talking about. In Star Wars, some of them might be more on the nose, but they still say something about the character. Like, you have General Grievous, who is a very grievous general. With Middle Earth, the linguistic roots are far more hidden than in like Star Wars especially, but even in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, just considering Tolkien created languages and then based the names off of those languages. But then you have weird things like The Hobbit, where a lot of things just have a pretty mundane name, like The Hill and The Lake and The the Lonely Mountain. Because hobbits are simple folk. Right. That, that's definitely part of it. It's also a book for children, um, which make, I feel like aligns it closer to the Star Wars thing. And it also go, just goes back to everything that we name would have been a name like that. You know, the hill. It's just that language changes. And so we forget the original meaning of things. Also in Lord of the Rings, everyone has so many names. Pretty much nobody has just one name. And part of that is because if there's someone who travels to other places, they're going to get other names in those languages. And then they're going to also pick up nicknames in other languages. And so then everyone ends up with a laundry list of different names that different cultures will call them. Right. The perfect example being Gandalf. Right. Who gets called Mithrandir by the Elvish. Right. Which Mithr in means silver in mm. the Middle Earth languages. Like you think about Mithril, the special oh, yeah, male that the dwarves armor. make. So uh-huh. that has that connection, that um, root. Okay. Tolkien. He's so <laughs> he's so on the ball. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Let's see, he gets called old Greybeard, um, Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White. Right. When I think Mithrandir even it doesn't translate to silver but to like Grey Wanderer or Grey Pilgrim. So a lot of the names as Which you is another mean the name same he gets thing. called. They all mean Pilgrim. the same thing, just in different languages. Different, a lot different of languages. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm sure I'm missing some others. And like Stormcrow. Stormcrow, yes. He gets called um, that by Saruman. Lothspell, which means, well, I don't know if Wormtongue, does he just, yeah, he calls him Lothspell, doesn't he? Wasn't that on the list? I which means, so. means bad news. Right. Um, and, and for the record, I am not a Tolkien linguist at all. This is just me looking up stuff because I do find Research. it interesting, but I don't remember a lot of this off the top of my head. So please don't misconstrue me as a Tolkien scholar, as some try to do. You're no Tom Shippy. <laughs> I'm no Tom Shippy. <laughs> <laughs> It'll say that on my gravestone. He was, he was no Tom Shippy. <laughs> but he did have books signed by him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Gandalf, the name Gandalf itself just means elf wand or like elf sorcerer, which he's not actually an elf, but he's, um, you know, people would have seen him as not quite a man. And so that's where that name might have come from because his original name is not Gandalf. It's, uh, you looked it up. What was it? Or yeah, Gandalf's real name is Olorin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, so you have all these characters that are given different names. Um, then you have like Aragorn that also the has first many part, names. He's the ranger right. for a long time. A strider. Strider. Um, he, he calls gets called Elisar or Elfstone, which mm-hmm. mean the same thing, the just same in different thing. languages. Um, like after he's king, has something to do with a prophecy, I think. But even the that first part of his were, of his name, Era or Er means heir to the throne. Kind of. Um, <laughs> uh, the A R means like royal or noble, and then Gorn means tree. So he like his name means Lord of the Tree, which is oh. very fitting and prophetic that you know the. The tree gets replanted in the books. Not it's it's a little bit different in the books, but the they get like a, a sapling and replant the tree to sort of. So the white represent. tree of, Con- of Gondor comes yeah. back. Yeah. Um, so that's very fitting. As he's the king. And then his dad's name Arathorn means tree of all lords. So he's so Aragorn's lord of the tree. Arathorn means tree of all lords, which is very fitting because the old sim- symbolism of you know fruit falling from the tree or. You know, Aragorn is a seedling of his father kind of idea. Right. But then also to take it further, the Athelas leaf or the the weed king's foil, yes. which are kind of, again, same words for or different words for the same thing. But there's the prophecy that the king will use Athelas. But that word itself, Athelas, means it's like a mixture of Old English and Elvish to mean royal leaf. So it's all connected. And take it even further, the AR... <laughs> Because you can As always Tolkien go further does. with Tolkien. The AR, you know, you have like Aragorn and Arwen. Their names start down this. Yes. Their names start the same, um, which, you know, they're made to be. They're destined to yep. be together. So her name means uh, royal maiden. Wen means maiden. Okay. I have a lot to talk about and I don't, you know, we're going to have to tighten Speed things up. Speed round. I'm giving you one minute to finish. To finish Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay. The names in Rohan of the Rohirrim, Aya means horse. So you got... Eowyn, which means lover of horses. You have Eothead, means horse folk, so that's a name for the people themselves. You have Eomer, which means horse mare. And then Ent, do you know what Ent means? Giant. Yeah, it means in giant. In Old English. Which was used in Beowulf just to mean giants, not necessarily like mm. tree giants. but Right. Tree giants. Peregrine means traveler in strange countries. Peregrine's also a falcon type. True. Bilbo means sword, which is fitting because he gets sting. He gets sting. I didn't realize that one. Nazgul and Ringwraith mean the same thing. They're just translated. In quotes. Huh. Also, orc. I was wondering if you could goblin. use them interchangeably. Yeah, you, can. you can. Same with orc and goblin. Those are not different creatures. They're just the same thing in different languages. Goblin is the English version. Orc is the Hobbit word for it. So there you oh, go. Okay. Okay. But what about with Saruman's like orc? Urukai. 
Well, no, I've seen the half like, orcs. There's like half gob, yeah, half orcs. The half orcs are the men who look like goblins. So the movie and the book are different with the Urukai and the half orcs. So I get them all mixed up because the movie didn't quite get it right. But yes, half orcs are like part human and part orc, I believe. And yes. Saruman bred them, or he bred the Urukai, but he wasn't the first. Sauron did it first, but the movie says that Saruman was the first to do it. Anyways, it's confusing, but I don't remember. But yes, orc and goblin are interchangeable. Okay. And we are, how many seconds do I have? I paused it while I was talking, so you've got 10 left. Oh, okay. Um, that's all. I, that's all. I, I'll, I'll stop there. Okay. And we can jump to names that change. Did you have names that change? Just one. One very important name that changes. Go for it. I am Tom Riddle. I'm just kidding. Tom Riddle. You are. <laughs> I am Lord Voldemort. I am Lord Voldemort. <laughs> so Tom's name, Tom Marvolo Riddle, is great in general because Tom is just the most boring name of all time. Like, it's just common, which is the it's last... Like Brian. Yeah. <laughs> which is, like, the last thing that Tom wants to be is common. He's striving so hard to be something more, to have a place of power in the wizarding world. And uh, Marvolo is a reference to his mother's um, side of the family, his grandfather's name, which I find interesting that he doesn't latch onto that a little bit more, like that part of his identity. Hmm. I mean, in some ways he does. He goes and gets the the Horcrux, or the you know the ring that he turns into the Horcrux, which is also the stone, stone. right, the resurrection mm-hmm. stone. Yeah, and then he has his father's last name Riddle as well, which is also a fun reference to the idea that he's a bit of a riddle himself, especially as a kid. Like when Harry Potter meets him in Tom Riddle's diary, what he sees him to be and what he's actually are very different things. And there's just such a weight of his family in these names. He's named for his father, for his grandfather. He feels like he doesn't want to be named for the muggle side of his heritage. And he's not even very fond of the Marvolo side, other than the fact that it gives them a tie to Salazar Slytherin. So Voldemort, so he changes his name. He changes Tom Marvolo Riddle to I am Lord Voldemort, which what's great about his name change of changing Tom Marvolo Riddle to I am Lord Voldemort is that in different translations of the Harry Potter books, they had to change his name from Tom Riddle to other things so that it could still translate correctly into that language's version of I am Lord Voldemort. For example, in French, his name is Tom Elvis Jedusor. I love Elvis. It's so good. Yeah. That way it can be Je suis Voldemort. <laughs> and then you've got the German, which is Tom Vorlost Riddle. They were able to keep the riddle. I think in one of them, his name is Romeo. I don't remember which one, what language. Yes. One of the languages. I believe it was Italian. Mm, Which is just great. Right. I just love that. Because Romeo is such a, we have this connotation of it being a very romantic name. Yeah. And he seems like the least romantic person of all time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's not really his thing. It's not his love language. (laughs) You're talking about Voldemort's love languages? (laughs) Yes. Let's do a whole episode on popular characters and what we think their Their love languages languages would be speaking of love languages there's a new podcast on the wbne network yes bagels bagels spelled (laughs) b-a-e goals it's tyler carlin and his wife emily carlin and they are talking about parenting and and being a couple and you know being married and all these awesome things and it's going to be great and they've got a couple episodes up now and the latest one um so the latest episode is all about love languages 
I don't think mm. they mentioned Lord Voldemort, though. Mm, just doesn't come up naturally yeah. when you talk about love languages. <laughs> no, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. Unless you're us. Apparently, they go hand in hand on right. our podcast. <laughs> uh, in Spanish, it's Tom Sorvolo Riddle. Riddle with a Y instead of an I. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so it can be Soy Lord Voldemort. I just love that these... We mentioned it in the Star Wars episode, but the villains often, or the dark, evil-type characters, feel the need to change their name as a way of rejecting their past. Yes. But I also feel like, like in Lord of the Rings, so many of the characters, especially the good characters, get names bestowed upon them. But the bad guys are all trying so hard, and so they just do it themselves. Like in Lord of the Rings, Sauron, which isn't even his original name, like Gandalf, he has an older name. It's Mayron, which just makes me think of Marion. Is he a librarian? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting. Yes. I was waiting for you to Marian, sing it. Marion. Madam Librarian. <laughs> that describes Sauron. Exactly. Yeah. But at one point... He is in, a Madam Librarian. In his history, he disguised himself and changed his name to Anatar, which means Lord of Gifts, um, to sort of beguile... Back to love languages. There you go. <laughs> his so, love languages is gifts. The gifts. He... Uh, <laughs> perfect he um it was to sort of trick the and trick and beguile the elves into letting him smith the rings so most of the elves fell for it fell for anatar the lord of gifts you also have this one wasn't a choice necessarily but smeagol the hobbit-like character who you know succumbs to the power of the ring and starts to have that choke in his throat the column, column. and so people just start calling him Gollum, which is just gross and uh, very he's a very phlegmy little man this is really cool um actually i think it's supposed to be pronounced smeagol and daigle which sounds funny it's a uh. smeagol and deagle but i'm just gonna say smeagol because the other way sounds weird but smeagol and deagle are possibly it's not confirmed but it talks about it in the languages of middle earth book i mentioned how that is a connection to the old english for cain and abel which is really cool cain killed abel and smeagol killed deagle in the name of of corruption and pride and yeah yeah. also smeagol in in middle earth means creeping which is another self-fulfilling prophecy because he's creeping around he's your favorite he's your favorite character in lord of the rings (sighs) he's so creepy what i do is i love the second movie and the third movie and i always just skip all the parts with gall (laughs) all the m and muel parts or however you pronounce just you know yeah I'm just editing. They're long anyway. I get rid of that, then I can watch an hour and a half movie instead of a three-hour movie. It's a sacrilege. <laughs> I know what happens. In the interest of time, I won't get it, go into it, but I wanted to talk about the names of objects in Lord of the Rings as well and how some Good. of them... You can talk about the names of objects. I want to talk about the names of spells and places. Okay, well, but I was saying I would not because of time. But no, but do it anyway. Just real fast? Everybody wants to okay. hear it. So people want a long episode, Casey. I know, but we I have, have to do it justice. I have to edit it. Um, so who needs sleep? The uh, you edit all sleep. So in the Hobbit book, Thorin Oakenshield has a. It's called the Goblin Cleaver, but it translates to Orchrist. So mm. in Lord of the Rings, often almost all the important objects and weapons have a name of some kind. Even the ones that probably aren't stated, they probably have a name. Like Aragorn's knives probably have names. I don't know what they are. But. <laughs> and then you have Sting, which is great because it stings the, the spiders in The Hobbit as well. Um, yes, spiders of Mirkwood. Yes, the spiders of Mirkwood. The part's creepy. So Narsil, which was the sword of Isildur, which Gets is the, the sword that's broken. So before it's 
broken. It's called Narsil, mm-hmm. and which means red and white flame, symbolizing the sun and the moon. And then it, its name, once it's reforged, becomes Anduriel, which means flame of the West. So I just think it's interesting that not only do people have their names changed, but over time objects have their names changed as well, or if they go through some sort of mm-hmm. transformation of some kind. Well, the one ring, it always stays the same. No, it has many names, actually. What are all the names of the rings? It's more like titles than names, oh, okay. but called the ruling ring, the ring of power, master ring, Isildur's bane, the one ring to rule them all, and my precious. <laughs> yeah. So those are more like titles. So that's what it gets called. Spells. You wanted to talk about spells? I do. So most of the spells in Harry Potter are Latin based, which is fun. Like Lumos is related to the Latin word lumen, meaning light, and its opposite, nox, means night or darkness. So, of course, you would use nox to negate your lumos spell. Um, Expelliarmus, expello in Latin means to drive out or expel, and arma means weapon. Apparate is from apero, which means to become visible, and then you have the opposite, disapparate, so like to become invisible. Confundus in Latin, you have confundo, which means to confuse. A couple of other Latin things, patronus. So during the Roman age, uh, patronus was used as the word for a protector or a defender. And it came to mean, like the word that we use today is patron, which means the same thing. And then you have another Latin root here in aragog, which is a fun portmanteau of arachnid. You've got the era. And then gog means giant. So your aragog is a giant spider quite literally in its name. Um, the one spell that isn't Latin-based is Avada Kedavra, which is a play on abracadabra. Plus, it's also kind of a play on the word cadaver, like you're killing people, creating cadavers. So that's like light, light fun times, you know, when you talk about cadavers. And then... <laughs> it's your favorite word. <laughs> yeah, it's the word of the day. <laughs> and then just a couple names of... So some names of places that's fun, or objects as well. For example, the mirror of Erised, I remember feeling so cool when I discovered right. that Erised is desire spelt backwards. And you're like, yes, the mirror does show your desires. And then um, Durmstrang is a portmanteau of some German words, Sturm and Drang, which means storm and stress. So that's kind of a menacing title there for their school. Plus uh, a Bogart, or a Bogart. How do you say it, Casey? Bogart? Uh, I don't know. How do you say it? Bogart, I think. Bogart? Bogart. Bogart. Humphrey Bogart? Yeah. That's what it's a <laughs> reference to, isn't it? Probably. That's what you're going to tell me. <laughs> I was going to say that in Irish, there's a word bagart, which means a threat. Oh. Yes. And Casey, do you know what an ingot is? Yeah, it's like a bar of uh, precious metal. Yes. That's yeah. a very fitting description. Yeah. So when you picture like gold bars, that's an that shape is an ingot. Is that how you say that? I think it's just ingot. Ingot. But I could be wrong. Ingot. I've never. I don't use that word. Often. <laughs> you know, when you hide your maybe bar, every other day. You're not like Ron Swanson. You don't just <laughs> like, like hide your ingots of gold, <laughs> bury them in places. I am like Ron Swanson. <laughs> I hope you have some gold buried for us. <laughs> real nice retirement plan. Um, but that goes into play with Gringotts, like in the middle of the word there. Oh, man, I love that. Right there, gold. It's staring us in the face. Yes, <laughs> only if you know all the etymology in all the world. A <laughs> uh, couple of other places that are fun. So Grimald Place, 
in old English. You know, like how you say um, old anxiety? Yeah. All, old, like spelt A U L D, is old. Mm. So Grimald is like grim old place. So that's fun. Then just some honorable mentions, really quick. Wait, all, wait hold on. Oh, okay. And also, they all think that Sirius is the Grim. Oh, yes. And it's the Black House. And it's so black that's house. interesting. It's I all just thought of that. Circles back. Mm-hmm. And then I have some honorable mentions for characters named after flowers, Casey. Just in Harry Potter? Just in Harry Potter. Okay. How many do you think there are? 14, one for every language Tolkien invented. Wrong. Oh. You have Lily and Petunia Evans. Then you have Narcissa Malfoy. That's a flower? Narcissa is a flower. That's also a connection to Narcissus. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. I didn't know yes. that was a flower. I know that was one of the, the one of the mythologies I skipped because there's just not enough time. Mm. Uh, then you've got Pansy Parkinson, Lavender Brown, Poppy Pomfrey, and Flora Delacour. So seven. One for each Horcrux. Oh, there's some tie there. Is that what you're talking? I don't know. I just the tie that seven has magical properties as a number, mm. and it's very repetitive common in, in the in fantasy and myth, and even in within Harry Potter. But. Yes. So half as many characters named as named for flowers as there are Tolkien languages. That's okay. But you know they're not really connected. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey, you have any honorable mentions? Well, just place names. Oh yes. I didn't get to talk about place names. Okay. Real quick. Do it. Mordor is like Old English for murder or torment. For more doors. No. To m- more places of elsewhere. For more of gold. Like yes. Gryffindor. Yes. No. Exactly. I mean, in Old English, it means murder or torment. We're linguists, clearly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, it's a pleasant oh, name. Oh, this one I wanted to read real quick in the Tolkien Languages book, talking about Mordor. Mordor in Old English means murder, torment, mortal sin. In Elvish, it means black country. This phrase held personal meaning for Tolkien, who at an early age had to leave the green countryside he loved for Birmingham in what is called the black country. Polluted, industrialized, blackened with coal, Mordor indeed. I love that connection i mean i don't love that tolkien had to do that That's yeah he sad, moves from the shire to mordor yeah, exactly just like brodo so and the real moral of the story is be careful where you move your children they'll grow up to be haunted by it and they'll turn it into fiction and so name it a place of torture and torment maybe it's not all bad um and then oh one last thing rohan means horse country but not in the language of the rohirrim it was a name that was given to them by the men of Gondor, which meant in their tongue, master of horses. So there's that connection. Like I said before, the word, the letters E-O together mean horse. Um, But in the Gondor, Gondorian language, that doesn't, that's not what that means. So Rohan means um, master of horses. So, or Rohirrim. The Rohirrim means master of horses. I don't remember which, no. But anyways, something about horses in the Gondorian language. And is that why they call their own country Edoras? That's like the that's like that's the, the name city. of the people. That's the name of the city. Yeah, okay. Edoras means um, uh, I don't remember Meduseld, which is like the Golden Hall. Basically, means Hall of Mead. <laughs> so, yes. tell you what the function of Meduseld is. <laughs> Edoras. Um, let me look it up real quick. Means Edoras just means dwellings or places enclosed by a barrier in Old English. So okay. basically, it's just the the village city the village center place. The, yes. But yeah. So Rohan's a country, okay. Edoras is like the main city area, and then Mediseld is the Golden Hall. The, the Mead Hall. Hall of Mead, yep. yep. Well, Valerie, we've sped through Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and hopefully it wasn't at too much of a breakneck pace for people, because there was a lot. And we even skipped some stuff, but 
sometimes you have to do that. Well, should we close out this episode? Yes. Casey, will you share a simile with us? One of our lovely reviewers left on Instagram. Yeah, we've got a simile of what it's like to listen to Hello from Elsewhere. This is from Mots, our good our good pal Mots. You know when it's super hot outside and you walk into a store or something and you get that blast of cold air right as you walk inside that immediately makes you forget all the pain and frustration that comes with being outside in 100 degree weather? Boy, do we know that because we lived in Arizona. Yeah, does he know that? He lives in Norway. Does it get 100 <laughs> degrees there? That's what it's like to turn on an episode of your podcast and you guys start talking. That's so nice. Thanks, Mats. And if you want to describe what it's like to listen to Hello from Elsewhere, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the podcast. And don't forget to engage with us on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. And if you'd like to show your support of the podcast, visit patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere. For just $3 or more a month, you can join the greatest Discord chat on the planet, Earth. That's right. You get access to the WBNE general chat areas, which are great and have some amazing people. But you also get access to the Happy Beeps channel, which is specific to... Hello from Elsewhere. We talk all about the podcast where we tell you what our upcoming episodes will be, where we ask your opinion on things. And it's just a fun place. Like um, I requested that one of the moderators, which the moderators are awesome. Uh, We got Pixel and Rachel and Eni and they're amazing. And uh, Pixel made for us a little emote or emoji thing. I'm old and don't know what... (laughs) To call things. Don't look at me. <laughs> for the Discord, which is a picture of Kylo Ren's helmet with a lotus behind the helmet. Yes. As a reference to our previous episode, and it just made my week. It was the best thing ever. And that's just one awesome thing. Like, the other day we were talking in there about our favorite TV shows, listing and ranking our favorite TV, TV shows, and I officially decided The Good Place is my favorite TV show of all time. Number one of all time. What's yours? Do you remember what you had said? Nope. I've already forgotten what my number one was. Oh, man. <laughs> Parks and Rec is definitely up there. Rebels is on my list. Gilmore Girls Gilmore is Gilmore Girls is up there. And then today, because the Oscar nominations were announced, Eni posted in there a picture of a bunch of Oscar awards, but instead of the normal gold face, it's Oscar Isaac's face. Which and is Poe from yeah, Star Wars. And I loved it. So, you know, come join us in the Discord. It's so much fun, and there's weird things happening, and... Fun things We're happening. We're all a bunch of xenophiles. We are all a bunch of <laughs> cinephiles and xenophiles. And Hello from Elsewhere is a proud member of WBNE. Visit WBNE.org to discover more amazing podcasts like That's What I'm Talking About. That's What I'm Talking About follows me, Mary Clay Watt, on my journey through Lord of the Rings for the very first time. Join me each week as I have fans on as guests so we can discuss the books one chapter at a time. From WBNE, That's What I'm Talking About. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get podcasts. Well, we probably should get out of Tom Riddle's diary. He's here. sucking our soul. So well, we should definitely. Someone's trying to throw us down the toilet. So. Oh, yeah. A little bit of both. Soul sucking toilets. Got it. Happy I'm out of beeps. Here. Happy beeps. <laughs>